0: Our team of trained specialists are available with 24 7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show.
2: Welcome to the program, 888-900-3393. In for Buck Sexton today, the Freedom Hunt. Um, A lot to talk about in this hour, but first, I want to go to one of the greats in this industry, Matt Welch. Um... He knows what's going on. The editor-at-large of Reason Magazine. Matt, welcome to the program, brother.
1: Thank you very much, and I, and I hope to God I know what's going on uh, because uh, <laughs> I sure don't know what's going on these days.
2: <laughs> Brother, I, I was reading your latest uh, article, and you were talking about John McCain and his approval of the nominees, but he didn't approve of uh, the budget director, why do you think he he had so much objections to this?
1: He uh, so the, the the Michael Mulvaney, uh, who's a, a, a congressman from South Carolina, was just approved this morning, uh, minutes ago, really, uh, by the Senate. I think the vote was uh, fifty one to forty seven, or, or close to it. Um, so he squeaked past, and John McCain, I think, was the only Republican no vote here. Uh, it's because McCain really doesn't like the House Freedom Caucus which is the sort of libertarian bent right group of people um, he really hates the sequestration cuts uh from 2013 which is the first time we had year on year uh cuts in military spending in this country since the end of the cold war uh and believes that that has cut uh military readiness uh to the bone and he cannot believe he just literally cannot personally fathom someone who thinks that we should uh, pull our troops out of Afghanistan, which Mulvaney has uh, uh, voted for and called for uh, in the past. McCain just thinks that's crazy talk. And so even though this is a total fiscal conservative whose job wow. is going to be budget director and a guy who's actually against some of Trump's instincts on, uh, on uh, trade, uh, and other things that uh, McCain would be in agreement with Mulvaney, um, just the fact that he seems like a, uh, a kind of uh, anti-interventionist or at least a skeptic in foreign affairs, McCain just cannot abide by.
2: Do you think it's the cutting military spending that is really getting to McCain?
1: Well, sure. Um, you know, he's John McCain is a— uh, is arguably the most kind of uh, in- interventionist and also kind of a Teddy Roosevelt-based American exceptionalist uh, in national politics and has been for a long time, even though he, his reputation doesn't always uh, go that way because the press fell in love with him you know, 20 years ago. And hey, they have a hard, time, it's, it's a hard time seeing straight about the guy. Uh, but he, uh, he's uh, someone who in 1999 came up with this idea, uh, or 98, uh, called Rogue State Rollback, in which uh, he thought that America should support uh, anti, uh, you know, uh, anti-totalitarian dissidents around the world, um, which I uh, agree with, like, in spirit in morality right. uh, and, and in other ways. But his, his, he went further. He said, we need to support those people, and when their governments crack down on them, we need to back them up militarily.
2: Why? Uh, why and this is one of the, the the reasons why the one areas I mean there's a few where I agree with Trump on why do we continue to do that
1: it's uh, it's this belief uh, and I'm describing something that I, I don't agree with I'm just just to put my cards on the table yeah. uh, but it's the belief that American that the world cannot function properly unless America is the dominant single, Power that we are making sure that the South China Sea is patrolled by us and not China. Um, uh, Seriously, sure people will go on forever talking about how that one fact is the most important thing in the world. Um, it's the, it's a, again a Teddy Rooseveltian idea, harkening uh, back to the 1890s, that America and the world are better off when we take so, you know primary responsibility for the world's affairs, and and in that view uh uh things like you know uh open ended occupations of countries that don't really uh, help that no one can really explain what the point is anymore for instance in Afghanistan or uh, uh wars that don't turn out as they expected like mm-hmm. in Iraq those are just kind of like mistakes those are things that we you know if we just get the right guys in there if we just get Petraeus back you know we're going to fix this one once and for all they don't see any of these things as mistakes and generally speaking the press um, uh, backs them up. They, I mean, John McCain and Lindsey Graham will never not be invited on the Sunday shows to talk about why we should invade Syria, why we should invade Libya, why we should attack Iran, and they never really suffer a penalty, either reputationally or uh, politically. So there's just this tendency in American life, and it's important to note that that tendency was not remotely victorious in the 2016 election, if you think about it, right? Right. But, but the he- Hawks. Who ran against Trump? The Hawks were Marco Rubio, yeah. uh, to some degree, it was Chris Christie, Lindsey Graham, all Jeb Bush. All these people, when you add them up, they never combined at any moment. But someone more like twenty-five percent of the vote.
2: But someone like McCain, do you think? Because you know he was anti-Trump. It was very known that he was anti-Trump, and even when Trump targeted him uh, in the primary, uh, he was doing well, and and in, in, and he did well in his re-election election. So do you think that kind of motivated him to say, hey, I'm not going to lose support in my district, uh, in my state, if I s- go against the president?
1: Well, he uh, – John McCain is, is – uh, I wrote a book about him in, uh, in uh, 2007 uh, called Myth of the Maverick. kind of gets into this. He's terrified by and kind of repulsed by the Republican grassroots. I mean, he always uh, referred to the Tea Party as wacko birds. So he thinks that Mulvaney is definitely part of the Wacko Birds, uh, but at the same time he's scared of them. And um, you know, anytime he gets anything like a primary challenger, which he had this uh, year in Arizona uh, for his uh, Senate reelection, um, he freaks out. And will, even though it's very clear that he despises Donald Trump and everything that he stands for, he could not really bring himself to oppose him. Um, he officially endorsed him. I think he ended up withdrawing his endorsement after the Billy Bush uh, Access mm-hmm. Hollywood tape. Mm-hmm. But But by that time, he'd
2: already got the, um, you know, the nomination.
1: Yes. um, uh, You know, he didn't. He showily did not go to the Republican convention. He clearly didn't want to talk about Trump, but he's also scared of Trump voters. Uh, So, um, you know, this is the first the Mulvaney thing was the first of all of uh, Trump's cabinet-level picks and confirmationable uh, picks that McCain has opposed. You know, he could have opposed Rex Tillerson, who's someone who comes from the private sector, and he's more skeptical about foreign policy, but he did not. Uh, he could have opposed Jeff Sessions on any number of grounds that I certainly would have agreed with, uh, but he did not. But it was this. Don't get in the way of John McCain's uh, sense of constant foreign policy intervention or, uh, or else you're going to pay the price.
2: But now him and Grammy... You know, because that's that's his buddy Grammy guy, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. They want to investigate Trump in Russia, though. So it seems uh, like yes. there's still there's still this animosity there.
1: For sure, uh, I think there's two main wings of uh, kind of I wouldn't say Trump opposition because they're not really doing that much, but sort of Trump skepticism or Trump wariness. And it's kind of interesting because uh, these two camps otherwise don't really play along together. And one camp is the McCain Lindsey Graham wing. Um, you could throw Marco Rubio in there, but he kind of goes where the wind blows. Um, but of uh, people who are very hawkish, uh, who are very, uh, uh, you know, they're they're in they're implanted in the Washington, D.C. firmaments. They tend to be free traders, which I agree with, um, but they're uh, way more interventionist. So these guys, the Hawks, the Neocons. Right,
2: right. right.
1: Um, Weekly Standard, those guys. Bill Crystal, right. all of those guys, that's a big camp of anti uh, And all opposition. of them are
2: on the Homeland, Homeland Security Committee or either Intelligence Committee.
1: Or Armed Services. Or Armed uh, yeah.
2: Services, right.
1: But the other location of Trump skepticism are the libertarians. They're the wacko birds. It's the Rand Paul, the Mike <laughs> Lee, the Justin Amash, Thomas Massey to various degrees. And, and they're all, they, they all have sort of differing approaches to the issue. So it's very interesting because most of the time neocons and libertarians spend snarling at one another across the barricades about any number of things. And let's not forget that back when Rand Paul looked like a viable presidential candidate, which is before Trump was anywhere near the election, um, You know, uh, it was John McCain uh, and Lindsey Graham and John Bolton, and all the hawks just sent sort of successive waves at him because they were worried about what they thought was was an America-first foreign policy. And whoops, (laughs) they got the same thing from, um, or you know, a different flavor of an America-first foreign policy from uh, Donald Trump. So they are going to be the first ones. Who defect and I and particularly on Russia, wherever this overlaps with national security and kind of the permanent deep state, you're going to see John McCain on, on uh, a different side than Donald Trump.
2: So, so Matt, tell me how did you feel since we're on foreign policy? How did you feel about the interaction between uh, President Trump and uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, yesterday?
1: I thought it was it was a legitimate inter- legitimately interesting. I. Uh, I am no fan of Trump, uh, and i uh, am kind of uh, neither here nor there on Netanyahu. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but there's the the thing that Trump brings, which is uh, potentially interesting and useful, is he kind of cuts through the crap. Uh, he can really quickly. So it's sort of in the middle of just kind of sitting there and talking. He turns to Netanyahu and says, "You know, you realize you got to ease up on the settlements, right?"
2: Uh, which is a level of but the media criticized him for whatever, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but for the average day American, they understood what he was saying.
1: Yeah, and uh, and that also completely wrong-footed Netanyahu. I mean, that's the same message, in a sense, that Barack Obama had been giving to them, especially at the tail end of his presidency, when he kind of just uh, went ham and, and started uh, criticizing Israel willy-nilly. But it's the same Message, But the delivery was completely off in an interesting kind of wrong-footy type of way because Netanyahu is very chummy with Trump.
2: Yeah, he wasn't well, happy about it.
1: No, what could he do? I mean, he, <laughs> and he had to sort of sit there and smile and kind of agree. Uh, and uh, and I, I especially like the, the kicker of Trump, which is like, you know that, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, so he, his, uh, his presidency, you know, carries a lot, in my mind, a lot of risks, including his foreign policy. But for him just to kind of like... You know, look at things. It's kind of what he did with Taiwan, which— you Do you know, think it,
2: that's a flip-flop, though? Do you think the whole thing with Israel is a flip-flop?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's just—like, what is a deeply held belief that, uh, that Donald Trump has? I don't think he has one.
2: I don't think he has a belief I mean, he system. has a couple.
1: He has a couple. Uh, on, on trade, he is a— Right, right. the firm believer in the fiction that we can have a mercantilist system uh, and just, you know, the tariffs uh, right. all the way down. And he
2: speaks which, a lot about this.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he has for 30 years. He's been, it's one of the few issues that he's been consistent on over time. He's always been, uh, you know, super tough on crime type of guy. He talks like people did in the 1980s about crime, uh, you know, and whereas a lot of the national conversation has since moved on and gotten into criminal justice reform. That is not, for the most part, a conversation that Trump has been uh, involved with. And foreign policy, he's just kind of uh, he will veer in this direction and veer that direction, uh, but I don't think he's had a very consistent – I mean, he even – he gave an interview uh, with uh, uh, build build newspaper in Germany, and uh, also the Times of London. It was a joint interview in January, I think right before taking office, and he said in the same paragraph, which is great – not great, it's just kind of crazy <laughs> – uh, that uh, like, hey, you know, we've been in Afghanistan 17 years. What the hell are we doing there? Go, yes, that's a very, very good point. And then in, within a sentence or two, he says, well, the problem is we're not letting our, our guys win. So if we just <laughs> let them win, then that's going to do it. It's like, no, you're, you're almost there. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that he has a, a real consistent through line uh, on foreign policy aside with, What about you know, the
2: whole, you know, moving the embassy to Jerusalem? and now he's like, eh, yeah, we'll get there when we get there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of his political appeal is uh, going after those issues that Republicans always say but never mean. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, crackdown on, on uh, illegal immigration. It's a, uh, Republicans will give lip service to that, but it doesn't really feel like they, that they actually do something. And there's this restive feeling in not just the Republican base, but in Americans in general, they're sick and tired of politicians saying these things. And so Trump has made great hay out of like, no, screw it. I'm actually going to do it. Now let's see who's talking kind of thing. Um, so I am going to renegotiate NAFTA from the first day, although, of course, he hasn't quite done that. But, you know, he's, he's definitely going to do something. But
2: I think NAFTA. it's still uh, on his radar, though, I think, because he's always talking about NAFTA. You know, you yeah. hear him say it all the time. So I, I think that's definitely on his radar.
1: Yeah, um, and so the Jerusalem thing, I mean, Republicans have been paying lip service to that uh, for decades. Uh, but it, it's one of those things that you say to get elected, and then you quickly forget. Uh, and he's like, screw it, why don't I say that? And it also helped him during the election, because there's a lot of Jewish groups uh, or Israel-focused groups uh, that were pretty skeptical of him for the not insignificant reason that there's a lot of weirdos that are hanging around the Trump campaign, <laughs> uh, some of whom have some kind of uh, questionable ideas uh, and uh, appeal among certain segments of the population, so you know that was a way of saying i'm going to outfox you by um uh you know appointing uh, a pretty uh uh, uh very strongly pro israel amb- ambassador and also uh and move uh, move the capital or move the embassy i think that uh you know he's going to find out the governing's hard <laughs> uh, and uh, and that he's not going inevitably he's going to ha he's going to uh, come up against the limitations of his own ability just to just to do things, kind of like he did with China, you know? I mean, he, he came in talking tough about uh, China in general and also about Taiwan, and then basically I think China sort of humiliated him and, uh, you know, forced him to say, yes, I accept the one-state policy. I, I
2: think the job is actually changing him in some forms, you know, especially positioning. I think when he gets in there and he sees how it really is, It's kind of, and and, and again, he doesn't really have this political ideology. You know, he he goes back and forth. So I definitely think there's some change in Trump. Matt Welch, thank you so much for joining the program, brother.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
2: Thank you. That was the great Matt Welch, uh, the editor-at-large of Reason Magazine. Um, I just got word that apparently Donald Trump has issued a new executive order. Uh, I'm going to try to read that during the break. Uh, More on the Buck Sexton Show with Lawrence Jones filling in. Keep it here.
3: Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show.
2: Welcome back to the program. Lawrence Jones in for Buck Sexton. Um, Actually, Donald Trump is in the middle of uh, a press conference. He said that uh, he will sign an executive uh, order to protect our people, quote, uh, next week. Uh, Trump is saying that he inherited a mess um, and it's been tough. Uh, By the way, he looks very exhausted in this press conference. Uh, I'll be following that uh, during the break, but I I wanted you to hear this exchange uh, from uh, Fareed Zakaria about Trump and Netanyahu. Uh, Let's play the clip.
4: I think what you're seeing there is, you know, basically the breakdown of the national security process. Where the president was obviously not briefed; he either d- doesn't want to do the briefings. We know he doesn't get the daily intelligence briefing anymore. Um, maybe there's nobody in the National Security Council who can brief him. But it sounded so bizarre, so casual, so, uh, you know, frankly irresponsible.
2: That was his exchange. Um, One thing I want to say about the Trump thing before I talk about some of this stuff happening in the press conference is that although I disagree with Trump and it's kind of hard to understand him at times because it seems like he's just rambling around and maybe he is his supporters, the people that voted for him you know, the people that made him president, despite us all saying there's no way he can win, they get him. And I think it's hard for people that live in this media bubble to understand the the Trump communication style. Does that make sense? Like, I don't get him at times. I'm like, you're rambling. Like, But the average day person that voted for him, I'm like, oh, I, I get what he said. He's breaking it down, cutting through all the BS. I don't know how much is going to work. While the break is happening, I'm going to get into some of this press conference. Uh, Trump is making a lot of statements. Uh, he, he, he says that, they may have apparently went after Flynn for no reason because there was nothing to incriminate him. He's upset about that. We're going to discuss all of this, and I want to get to your calls in the next segment. I want to know what you feel about this Flynn stuff and the liberals and their emotional arguments. More when we come back. Lawrence Jones in for Buck Sexton.
1: The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the program, Lawrence Jones, in for Buck Sexton. Um, I want to take you to this Donald Trump press conference. Uh, this is a big one, so I want you guys to tune into this. Let's listen to it. ...in Congress. But honestly, the public would appreciate it. I'd appreciate it.
3: Again, I don't mind bad stories when it's true, but we have an administration where the Democrats are making it very difficult. I think we're setting a record or close to a record in the time of approval of a cabinet. I mean, the numbers are crazy. When I'm looking, some of them had approved immediately. I'm going forever. And I still have a lot of people that we're waiting for. And that's all they're doing is delaying. And you look at Schumer and the mess that he's got over there, and they have nothing going. The only thing they can do is delay. And, you know, I think they'd be better served by you know, approving and making sure that they're happy and everybody's good. And sometimes, I mean, I know President Obama lost three or four, and you lose them on the way, and that's okay. That's fine. But I think, it would, I think they would be much better served, John, if they just went through the process quickly. This is pure delay tactics. And they say it, and everybody understands it. Yeah, go ahead, Jim.
4: you definitively say that nobody well, wants I had nothing do to
3: do with it. I, I have nothing to do with Russia. I told you. I have no deals there. I have no anything. Now, when WikiLeaks, which I had nothing to do with, comes out and happens to give, they're not giving classified information. They're giving stuff, what was said in an office about uh, Hillary cheating on the debates, which, by the way, nobody mentions. Nobody mentions that Hillary received the questions to the debates. Can you imagine, seriously, can you imagine if I received the questions? It would be the electric chair, okay? He should be put in the electric You would even call for the reinstitution of the death penalty, okay? Maybe not you, John. Yes, we'll do you next year. Okay. I just want to clarify yes, yes. an point, I think. Sure. Did you direct Mike Flynn to discuss sanctions with the Russian ambassador? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But Mike... Excuse me. No, I fired him because of what he said to Mike Pence. Very simple. Mike was doing his job. He was calling countries and his counterparts. So it certainly would have been okay with me if he did it. I would have directed him to do it if I thought he wasn't doing it. I didn't direct him, but I would have directed him because that's his job. And it came out that way. And in all fairness, I watched Dr. Charles Krauthammer the other night, say he was doing his job and I agreed with him. And since then I've watched many other people say that. No, I didn't direct him, but I would have directed him if he didn't do it. Okay, Jim? This person, thank
4: you very much, and just for the record, we don't hate you, I don't hate you. Okay. okay. So, so, pass that along. Quickly. Ask,
3: ask Jeff how he got his job, okay. If I may follow up on some of the questions that have taken place so far, here, sir. Well, not so too many. You
0: do have other oh, people. You do have other people. Your ratings aren't as good as some of the other people. Are going to good right now. Okay. But, Go ahead. Now,
4: if I may ask, sir, uh, you said earlier that uh, that WikiLeaks was uh, revealing information uh, about the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, during the election cycle. You welcome that at one point. Uh, you said you said you loved WikiLeaks. At another campaign press conference, you, you called on the Russians to uh, find the missing thirty thousand emails. I'm wondering, sir, if you well, she was actually
3: missing thirty-three, and then that got extended with the whole Maybe pile. Numbers up, numbers up. Numbers no, no, no but right. I did say thirty, but it was actually higher than that. If I
4: may ask you, sir, it, it sounds as though you do not have uh, much credibility here when it comes to leaking. If that is something that you encourage during okay. the campaign, question. Hey, Ready? If I, if I may ask you that, no, no, please. but you, let me
2: do one at a
3: time. Do you mind? Me. Yes, sir. All right. So, in one case, you're talking about highly classified information. In the other case, you're talking about John Podesta saying bad things about the boss. I will say this. If John Podesta said that about me and he was working for me, I would have fired him so fast, your head would have spun. He said terrible things about her. But it wasn't classified information. But in one case, you're talking about classified. Regardless, if you look at the RNC, we had a very strong, at my suggestion, and I give Reince great credit for this, At my suggestion, because I know something about this world, I said, I want a very strong defensive mechanism. I don't want to be hacked. And we did that. And you have seen that they tried to hack us, and they failed. The DNC did not do that. And if they did it, they could not have been hacked. But they were hacked, and terrible things came in. And you know, the only thing that I do think is unfair is some of the things were so, they were When I heard some of those things, I I picked up the papers the next morning and said, oh, this is going to be front page. It wasn't even in the papers. Again, if I had that happened to me, it would be the biggest story in the history of publishing or the head of newspapers. I would have been the headline in every newspaper. I mean, think of it. They gave her the questions who and she and she should have reported herself. Why didn't Hillary Clinton announce that, I'm sorry, but I have been given the questions to a debate or a town hall, and I feel that it's inappropriate, and I want to turn in CNN for not doing a good job. And If I may follow up
4: on that, just something that John and Carl was asking you about. You said that the leaks are real, but the news is fake. I guess I don't understand. Uh, it seems that there's a disconnect there. If the information coming from those leaks, is real, then how can the
3: stories be no, fake? the reporting mm-hmm. is fake. And i I just want to ask Kim, you know it what it is? Here's the thing. The public isn't, you know, they read newspapers, they see television, they watch. They don't know if it's true or false. Because they're not involved. I'm involved. I've been involved with this stuff all my life. But I'm involved. So I know when you're telling the truth or when you're not. I just see many, many untruthful things. And I'll tell you what else I see. I see tone. You know, the word tone. The tone is such hatred. I'm really not a bad person, by the way. No, but the tone is such, I do get good ratings, you have to admit that. The tone is such hatred. I watched this morning a couple of the network, and I have to say, Fox and Friends in the morning, they're very honorable people. They're very, not because they're good, because they hit me also when I do something wrong, but they have the most honest morning show. That's all I can say. It's the most honest. But the tone, Jim, if you look, the hatred. The, I mean, sometimes, sometimes somebody gets... Well, you look at your show that goes on at 10 o'clock in the evening. You just take a look at that show. That is a constant hit. The panel is almost always exclusive anti-Trump. The good news is he doesn't have good ratings. But the panel is almost exclusive anti-Trump. And the hatred and venom coming from his mouth. The hatred coming from other people on your network. Now, I will say this. Uh, I watch it. I see it. I'm amazed by it. And I just think you'd be a lot better off. I honestly do. The public gets it, you know. Look, when I go to rallies, they turn around, they start screaming at CNN. They want to throw their placards at CNN, you know. I, I think you would do much better by being different. But you just take a look. Take a look at some of your shows in the morning, and the evening. If a guest comes out and says something positive about me, it's, it's brutal. Now, they'll take this news conference. I'm actually having a very good time, okay? But they'll take this news conference. Don't forget, that's the way I won. Remember, I used to give you a news conference every time I made a speech, which was like every day. Okay? No, that's how I won. I won with news conference and probably speeches. I certainly didn't win by people listening to you people, that's for sure. But I'm having a good time. Tomorrow they will say, Donald Trump rants and raves at the press. I'm not ranting and raving. I'm just telling you, you know, you're dishonest people. But, but, I'm not ranting and raving. I love this. I'm having a good time doing it. But tomorrow the headlines are going to be Donald Trump rants and raves. I'm not ranting. I'm ranting. Go ahead.
4: One, one should I let, of well, again, I let him have a little bit more? What do you think, Peter?
3: Peter, should I have let him have a little bit more? Sit down. The, Sit just, down, Wilton. Just because
4: of the attack of fake news and, and attacking our network, I, I just want to ask you, sir. I'm changing it, it from fake news, though. Do, doesn't that undermine? Very fake news. I right. know, but aren't you? Go ahead. Real news, <laughs> Mr. President, Real news. And you're not related
3: to our new. I
4: am not related, sir. I do like the sound of Secretary look, of Acosta, You know, say. I looked
3: at that name. I said, wait a minute, is there any relation there? Alex or Acosta.
4: I'm sure you checked that okay. out, No, sir. I, I checked paper. it. I said, they said, no, sir. I said,
3: do me a favor, go back and check the family tree. Uh, but
4: I, aren't, you, aren't you concerned, sir, that you are undermining the people's faith in the First Amendment, freedom of the press, the press of this country, when you call stories you don't like fake news? Why not just say, it's a story I don't like? I they do that. Fake news no, I do that. No, no. I do. Media. Here, here's the thing. Is okay, I
3: understand what you and you're right about that. Except this. See, I know when I should get good and when I should get bad. And sometimes I'll say, "Wow, that's going to be a great story," and I'll get killed. I know what's good and bad. I'd be a pretty good reporter, not as good as you, but I know what's good. I know what's bad. And when they change it and make it really bad, something that should be positive, sometimes something that should be very positive, they'll make okay. They'll even make it negative. So I understand it. So, because I'm there, I know what was said, I know who's saying it, I'm there. So it's very important to me, look, I want to see an honest press. When I started off today by saying that it's so important to the public to get an honest press. The press, the public doesn't believe you people anymore. Now maybe I had something to do with that, I don't know. But they don't believe you. If you were straight and and really, Hold it like it is, as Howard Cosell used to say, right? Of course, he had some questions also. But if you were straight, I would be your biggest booster. I would be your biggest fan in the world, including bad stories about me. But if you go, as an example, you're CNN. I mean, it's story after story after story is bad. I won. I won. And the other thing, chaos. There's zero chaos. We are running, this is a fine-tuned machine. And Reince happens to be doing a good job, but half of his job is putting out lies by the press. You know, I said to him yesterday, you know, this whole Russia scam that you guys are building so that you don't talk about the real subject, which is illegal leaks. But I watched him yesterday working so hard to try and get that story proper. And I'm saying, here's my chief of staff a really good guy, did a phenomenal job at RNC. I mean, he won the election, right? Won the presidency. We got some senators, we got some all over the country. You take a look, he's done a great job. And I said to myself, you know, and I said to somebody that was in there, I said, you take a look at Ryan's. He's working so hard just putting out fires that are fake fires. I mean, they're fake. They're not true. And isn't that a shame? Because he'd rather be working on health care He'd rather be working on tax reform, Jim. I mean that. I would be your biggest fan in the world if you treated me right now. I sort of understand there's a certain bias, maybe by Jeff or somebody, you know, for whatever, you know whatever reason. But, and I understand that. But you've got to be at least a little bit fair. And that's why the public sees it. They, see it. they see it. They see it's not fair. You take a look at some of your shows, and you see the bias and the hatred. And the public is smart. They understand it. Okay, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, we
4: have no doubt that you believe this story is fake news, but for those who believe that there is something to it, is there anything that you have learned over these last few weeks that you might be able to reveal that might ease their concerns that this isn't fake news? And secondly, I, I think they don't
3: believe it. I, I don't think the public believe it. That's why the Rasmussen poll just has me through the roof. I, I don't think they believe it. Uh, well, I guess one of the reasons I'm here today is to tell you The whole Russian thing, that's a ruse, that's a ruse. And by the way, it would be great if we could get along with Russia, just so you understand that. Now, tomorrow you'll say Donald Trump wants to get along with Russia, this is terrible. It's not terrible, it's good. We had Hillary Clinton try and do a reset.
2: We're gonna take a break real quick and then we'll go to this entertaining press conference with Donald Trump, keep it here.
1: (laughs) This is the Buck Sexton Show
0: on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Uh. Buck
0: Sexton.
2: Welcome back. Uh, Lawrence Jones in for Buck Sexton. I want to you guys to hear a little bit more of this hilarious press conference from our president, Donald Trump.
3: I really think that Hillary Clinton would be tougher on Russia than Donald Trump. Does anybody in this room really believe that? OK, but I tell you one thing, she tried to make a deal. She had the reset. She gave all that valuable uranium away. She did other things. You know, they say I'm close to Russia. Hillary Clinton gave away 20 percent of the uranium in the United States. She's close to Russia.
0: Can we I gave, you know what I
3: gave to Russia? You know what I gave?
0: Nothing. Can we conclude there'll be no response to these particular provocations?
3: Yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything about what response I do. I don't talk about military response. I don't say I'm going into Mosul in four months. We are going to attack Mosul in four months, then three months later. We are going to attack Mosul in one month. Next week, we are going to attack Mosul. In the meantime, Mosul is very, very difficult. you know why? Because I don't talk about military... And I don't talk about certain other things. You're going to be surprised to hear that. And by the way, my whole campaign, I'd say that. So I don't have to tell you.
4: I don't want to be one of these
3: guys that say, yes, uh, here's what we're going to do. I don't have to do that. I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do in North Korea. Wait a minute. I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do in North Korea. And I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do with Iran. You know why? Because they shouldn't know and eventually you guys are going to get tired of asking that question. So when you ask me what am I going to do with the ship the russian ship as an example, I'm not going to tell you. But hopefully I won't have to do anything, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay.
4: Thanks. President, President, President. Um, can I just ask you, Thank you very much, Mr. President.
2: Um, the Where are you from? Uh, BBC. Okay.
3: Here's another beauty. <laughs> <The>
2: good line. <laughs> Impartial, free and fair. Um, yeah. Sure. Uh, Mr. President
3: <laughs> Just like CNN right?
2: Um, on the travel ban uh, We could banter back and forth on the Welcome back ba- to the program Lawrence Jones here uh, That's Donald Trump for you um, This is the new relationship Between the media and Donald Trump How do you feel about the president Having this relationship With the media I think it's transparent Is it an attack on the press I don't think it's nothing new But I think it's comical watching them squirm. Chris Salcedo is up next.
1: You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.